Thanks so much for joining us on Tifosi Football Radio. We have a very special episode with our special guest, Marco Mashke. Marco, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. It's an honor. We're honored to have you. And we also have a good friend here, Dave Simpson. Dave, thanks for coming back. No worries. It's my pleasure. <laughs> awesome. So what we want to talk about today, Marco, is uh, we, want to get to know, we, we want to get to know you for our fans. You have quite an extensive career in the world of football going all over the world including making a stop here in Canada, which is great. Let's start. What got you into football and uh, what led you into coaching? Okay. I'm 54 years old, German state certified football teacher uh, holding the UEFA pro license. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, in the last um, 30 years, I've worked in almost all areas and positions uh, in, in the soccer business, right? I started playing soccer when I was, you know, six, six years old. And unfortunately, I had to give up my, all my dreams when I was 22 because I had two yeah. bigger injuries and I could not, you know, had to bury my, my dreams at these young ages already. So that was pretty hard time for myself, but also an important educational time for me, at the, you know, at the same time. So when I turned 24, my former men's head coach convinced me to get back into the soccer business as a coach. So somehow he believed in me for whatever reason. Yeah, that encouraged me to, to get back into the profession and to the coaching way. Anyways, to make a long story short, in the last 30 years, I, I coached youth teams of different age groups, men's teams in, in semi-professional and professional leagues in, in China and Hungary, also in Canada. Worked as a youth coordinator, head coach, assistant coach, club manager in Germany. I train coaches, I advise football clubs, coaches, and also some provincial associations. And I know a little bit all sides and different perspectives yeah, and motives of, of the, the soccer soccer structure and the soccer business. When you when when you got uh, when you got injured, yeah. Um, what what kind of injury was it, by the way? My first injury was with with uh, twenty. Uh huh. Taken injuries with, with 21, and then I, I played another two years under under some pain, and decided that is not enough ah, anymore for a professional okay. career. And when you stuff. and when you started coaching, um, you know, like I, I could never coach. I uh, I guess I have the mentality of a player. I can't switch it over. Um, you know, <clears throat> uh, no. When I was 24, I starting I started coaching in, in, in youth youth ages under 15, under 16, under 18, under 19. Um, before I have my first professional um, um, coaching contract, then going into the Chinese professional what? soccer league. Oh, you went to with thirty. Oh, okay. So, so China was your first stop uh, abroad. Then, it, abroad it was my first stop um, uh, on a on a on a prof professional position. Okay, and what? What attracted you to go to China? Like, what opportunity was there at that time? Uh, it was uh, it was a little bit by accident, right? So uh, we played a tournament with with an under nineteen team actually um, in, in in Holland, <clears throat> and there was also a Chinese team, and we we played them in the final and um, won that final six nothing or something. Mm -hmm. And um, and the. Um, yeah, the director of that team or of the club actually, um, um, you know, asked me right after the game if I come over and, and see what, what they're doing over there. So I flew over in, in, in 1996, it was already, <clears throat> and was, uh, you know, looking at the opportunities there. And uh, they showed me, you know, the club and, um, you know, also the youth system. So we get closer, closer over the, the next year. And all of a sudden I got an offer to take over. Um, the, the youth department of the club, that was the first idea. So I, I, fl I, flew, uh, I went to China in September, uh, no, sorry, uh, in September 1997 um, uh, with the idea of, um, you know, taking over the youth department of the club. Um, and at this time, the, the first team was playing in the, in the, in the tournament for the uh, promotion to the second um, second uh, highest soccer league in China at this time. And they lost the first two games or something in the tournament. And all of a sudden, um, you know, I was coach of the first team, very easy. Um, I, did, <laughs> I didn't have 
had one uh, coaching uh, session with uh, with the youth teams or with with the coaches there. Uh, it was just you know by by accident I I, I came in, came in and and then I took over. So we won we won the tournament in the end and we got promoted to the second league and that was a start. Wow, that's great. How long were you with that club for? Uh, two and a half years. Two and a half years. A lot of people yeah. don't know, um, you know, about Asia. You know, a lot of times we talk about, um, you know, Europe and, and, and making it there. And one of the things that I've always said to some of the young guys, especially ones that don't have European backgrounds or passports or anything like that, is that um, Asia is still uh, a good option. And even uh, I think yesterday you and I were talking and we were speaking about um, Jonathan de Guzman, you know, and I said that he's playing in Crete. Um, in in Greece and it's nice weather and stuff and he said yeah but I would rather him go to China and 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 make you know the ridiculous amount of money that they're handing out right now yeah. um, you know can you tell us more about about that and um, about the finances over there and maybe even what they're what they're doing and even how you got paid because I know how it's weird out there uh, how you get paid out there so can you tell people how you get paid out there how odd it is I mean, you know, the, the, China, the Chinese market is, is, is uh, you know, completely different structured as any, any other market in, in, the, in the world, right? So you have a lot of um, uh, clubs uh, owned by the biggest possible, the biggest companies in China. Um, and they are forced to put money into the, into the soccer business because uh, the dream of the Chinese government is to become one of the, you know, leading soccer nations in the world. So... Um, the strategy is, you know, to 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 forth that uh, aim with putting a lot of money into the market, and 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 all the, you know, owning companies um, paying ridiculous money um, and, and and putting it into the clubs, into the infrastructure, um, and also into players. I don't know if it is the right way, by the way, but it is obviously a market. What comes out in the last five, six, seven, eight years. What um, is, um, you know, especially for some players getting older and cannot play anymore in Europe or whatever, it is obviously very interesting. No questions about it. So <clears throat> what they're doing now is they're developing now strategy um, also with, you know, um, elite schools and, and um, you know, elite um, development centers uh, trying to build now over 50,000 um, soccer centers all over China. So it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big, big, huge project. Um, but I don't know if it's working. It is right. When you were there, was yeah. there a culture shock when you went over there? Of course. Of course. I mean, <clears throat> when you come from Europe uh, and you're going first time to China, everything is upside down, right? In the first two, three months, you don't understand really how, how it works. Uh, you need to um, get used to, to, to the culture. They are, you know, putting everything on their, you know, 5,000 years of experience, of culture experience they have over there. And, and that's pretty interesting, but it, it also opens up your mind in, 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 yeah, in different ways um, because they're handling things completely different that, they, that we are used to in, in Europe or also in North America, I believe. So it is, it is a big, big, big difference, um, but um, it is um, also a very, very good experience, or it was a good experience for myself um, to understand why the Chinese people are thinking the way they are, they are you know, doing, doing things and, and and uh, handling, um, you know, certain different situations. So it was a culture shock uh, in, in many, many ways, but after six months, you get used to it um, and you understand a lot of why Chinese people doing things like they're doing it mm -hmm. since thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you find out some of them is not too bad and uh, they're on, on a better way than maybe some some other countries in the world. Mm -hmm. So after two years in China, where do we uh, go from there, and how come how come you ended up leaving after two years? Um, actually, after after yeah two and a half years, um, I I thought I thought you know I have I had enough from that experience, and uh, we were pretty successful also 
um, you know, I started as a, as a, like I said, with the idea of, of uh, t you know, t uh, taking over the youth department of the club, becoming a head coach, then going back into the assistant coach position, because at this time my coaching license was not good enough anymore to coach in the higher, higher, higher league. Um, and um, I wanted to educate myself and, you know, came back in 90 and, and, and probably in 2000 um, when I obtained my um, A license in, in 1999 in Germany. And then I met, um, met a, a, a Canadian coach who introduced me to, to Canada. And um, at this time, I didn't know anything about Canadian soccer. So I decided to visit him in, in 2000. And um, yeah, since then, I'm, I'm, I'm following Canadian soccer and uh, soccer structure and Canadian soccer players. <clears throat> because um, that was a yeah one of my one of the best experiences I had in my life also. So for those who haven't heard before, um, you know I'm a foreign, former player of of Marcos, so all this stuff is all new to me, right? So yeah. you know if you hear me like I'm looking at him like okay finally I got this guy to ask him <laughs> questions, right? Because <laughs> as a player you can't ask anybody anything, you know, definitely not a coach. So when when you came to Canada, right? You just came from. Uh, China after that experience were you expecting less or more of Canadians actually I expected less what I have seen I was uh, when I came to, to, to Canada in, two, in 2000 visiting um, my friend there the first time and um, I was staying there for I believe three or four weeks and we were going every week uh, sorry every day out on the fields, went to the you know, to the soccer center. There were provincial games going on, um, and we watching games from all age groups. And um, what I what I saw at these days was was incredible good. Uh, I was amazed first time um, seeing how good the individual player development was back in the days in, in Canada. So, um, you know, you have to understand when you come from Europe, you went to China, you go to Canada, never heard about it. So I know there was no, no touching points between me and Canada before at all. And um, you're expecting, okay, you know, a little, little small country like Canada, here and there, some talents. And then you, you look at different age groups, uh, whatever, under 12, under 14, under 16, under 17, we saw, we saw on the fields playing. And, I, you know, and in every game, there was two, three, three players turning your head. Uh, I didn't expect that at this time. And that really surprised me. And uh, yeah. I wanted to find out why it is. So how did your two pads meet then, Dave and Marco? Um, yeah, it actually was, um, you know, me, me and my friend, we, we decided with um, a couple of other um, coaches and, and partners to, um, to open a soccer academy in Toronto. Sorry, so this was after, so you came in as a coach and then you started the academy to help supply the team? No, actually, the, the reason was, you know, when we were visiting all these games and stuff, you know, you could, you could easily see. <clears throat> that there's you know a, a huge bunch of, of, of talent in Canada. It was it was ridiculous good, especially in that age groups, 15, 16, 17 at this time. Everybody explained to me, okay, there's no stairway for these players <clears throat> because at this time Canada doesn't have a really you know no no professional system and and, and uh, you know there was no future for 17, 18 years old inside of Canada. So. I watched that um, and watched the games and I saw, okay, individual player development is good, good skills um, here and there lacking on the tactical part and on the physical part. <clears throat> so we set the sit down and then said, okay, listen, what we can do, right? We have yeah, uh, great talents in Canada and, you know, some of them cannot even also afford this, uh, the system in place with, you know, paying, paying big money to the academies and getting good coaching. So... We decided to, go to, to, to form an academy a little bit on the European way in terms of um, having or giving every talent, doesn't matter, you know, from what, um, what was the financial situation of the player, give them a spot to come to us 
and train with us on a very, very high level. Individually as well, tactically, you know, we made a lot of positioning training. We made a lot of, um, you know, training light for, for you know, um, uh, you know for, for, for strikers, for defenders, for midfielders, individual technical development crossing um, okay um, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you on that one because I was there for the whole thing so I think <laughs> I remember the first day that I met this man and when he says crossing he's <laughs> so he says crossing we just did some individual things let me tell you exactly what happened so I don't know if we can name the place but let's just say it was a German house okay right and I, I remember pulling up to this thing and I saw two coaches I saw one guy, I won't name his name because it seems like we're not naming any names, but he used to be a provincial coach for the Ontario team. First time I saw him, uh, I was in the hospital. And how that works is, went for a header, I hit my head, and I was knocked out. And he came to the hospital. I saw him, he made sure I was okay, and I didn't see him again. <laughs> so the second time that I saw him, it was with him. Oh, yeah. And so, um, you know, I pull up, and I just remember these guys doing... Uh, like drills and all kinds of things. It's very intimidating. And beside the field was this very small, it looked like almost like a hut, but it was a, a small house. I guess it was like a shed, but an oversized shed. And there was a literal, they, they had a board and they were like teaching football on the board. Do you remember this, Marco? Sure. Okay. And so it was like a class and then you went out and then you trained. And it was just such a professional environment um you know i just i i'd never been a part of that and at this time i was playing for north scarborough so you know winning ontario cups and, and robbie tournaments and everything else but then when the pen hit the paper i had no idea what they were teaching so that was the first time that i ever really bumped into to marco and then secondly um, because he started coaching so young he was still physically fit mm -hmm. so by the time i met him he may have been like maybe 30, 30, 34, 35. I don't even know how old you were, but young enough. 34. That he, yeah, okay, I was right, good. Uh, young enough that he could play. Yeah. So when we started playing, and originally he was in the games. Wow. <laughs> and every other game we'd be playing a man down. Because, <laughs> <laughs> Couple of red cards. Because he didn't understand the referees. <laughs> like this guy was a tyrant. He was so physically strong. He was so physically fit, and he was still in playing mode. So mm -hmm. I don't know about this knee injury, but it probably went away when he came to Canada. So that's the first time <laughs> I met him, and uh, it was just a great experience. That changed my life forever. Not because you're here, but I said it often. It changed my life forever because I've never experienced so real. So you feel like that gave you the foundations to excel where you did in your career. Absolutely. Yeah. Without that, without PSA, um, I would have never left ever. It, and there's, you know, there's so many guys that profited from um, their relationship with with Marco and with PSA. You know, it it changed everybody's life. It brought Europe here, yeah. which has never happened Definitely. before. Yeah. So. so, so I'm curious to know in that barn with that board, what what were you teaching on that board? Like, were you teaching a style of play? Like, was there was there a certain tactical approach? Because obviously being Italian that's first thing that comes to mind is tactics right so what's the kind of style of play you were trying to portray in your academy here what did you what kind of potential did you see with these Canadian youth I mean we're, we're talking now about these group was at this uh, time seven six sixteen seventeen years old and very mm -hmm. high, high talented group like you know Dave was there it was Andrean of there um, it was um, Jeremy Chappard there. It was um, help me a little bit, Dave. Oh, geez. Um, Marco Benenikovic was there. Um, golly. Very high talented players who were already good, developed individually, technically, and stuff. So, what, what Canada is lacking, or was lacking at this time, was a little bit the individual tactics and, and, and uh, in defense and offense and the, the group defense often and the team tactics defense offense so what we did on the on the on the on the on the board was when we made the drills two on one you know uh, two, two, two on two two on three towards the net is to show them on the ter theoretical way of how they can solve these situations and then we went out there on the field and then we practicing it with the real ball 
and know how you know what what to do and what are the options we gave them we not we were not saying listen this is a way how you should play we gave them options of these are your tools of you know creating chances out of that situation and then we trained it on and, and the practice and practicing it on the field sorry <clears throat> and um, yeah and that was 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 a kind of new to them i believe because everybody was looking at me and say what what he's what he's talking about right they, they didn't have that uh, in, in, in in many ways i believe and uh, so we gave them you know some a toolbox on how to you know play tactically clever um, in, in offense and then defense i'll tell you what was new what was new was the german swear words um <laughs> That's the first time <laughs> I knew the difference between a schnitzel and scheiße. <laughs> so there was a lot of that. He's cleaned it up quite a bit. Yeah. But um, but it was a good experience too. Yeah, that was very good. So that that's amazing. You're one of the pioneers, essentially. You laid the foundations for what Canadian soccer is almost. I know that's that's a lot of praise, but it's it's the truth. Yeah. Well, not only that, but the inaugural um, yeah. season, right, mm -hmm. of the um, the CPSL, the Canadian mm -hmm. Soccer. What was it? Canadian CPS, Professional, so professional CPSL, right? So, yeah, he, he was there for that, and that's the the second time. You know, some some years went by uh, in between there, and then you came back again. Um, you know, and uh, and you started with uh, Hamilton, which is a whole new whole new yeah. story. Was it was um, you know in, two, in 2000 we founded the, the PSA, and and I I was be a part of the PSA for uh, I believe six six or eight months and then then I had to return back to Germany, and um, the PSA you know continued on 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 different way with other coaches, <clears throat> so a year, a year later um, I believe it was in uh, around June 2001. Um, um, a former partner of the PSA called me up and said, um, you know, there's a man in, in, um, in, in Woodbridge, I believe, uh, he, he built up a new team in the, in the Canadian Professional Soccer League, and he's looking for a coach, and uh, he asked me if, if, if I can, you know, if, if he can get in contact. So... I talked to him um, and he planned uh, a new franchise in, um, in Hamilton. I talked about my philosophy, my strategy, my visions. He agreed to everything. Um, and um, in, in August, he called me up and said, okay, can I kind of come over and, and take over the team? So my plan was going actually on September 11 to, to Canada, 2001. What not happened because of the situation in New York. Two, two weeks later, when everything was, was, was normal again, uh, by end of September, I believe, it, I flew over to Toronto, and then we started building up um, a team. And um, my my idea, my philosophy was at this time is to to build that stairway for for young players, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, to build up a strong team who can compete in the CPL. So, so he didn't know, right? So when when I came back from Belgium, um, you know, I I walked into the team. And I was like, okay, why is there the national team here? Because I don't know if Marco knew, but 75% of the team was pretty much national team players, ex-national team players from the U20 squad that I was watching years before. So you had like Miles O'Connor, you had Matthew O'Connor, you had Ma uh, Marat Sucru, uh, you had Ol Orlin, who was on the national team. That's already four. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was others. You could probably name some more. Uh, but they were all part of the national team in Ontario system. And so, you know, when I walked in there and I saw all these guys, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. But I, I was impressed. But apparently, you know, other people in the league weren't so impressed. Mark, you should tell them the story about the Toronto Lynx. And... and it was a long fight, though, right? It was, a, I mean, in the end, we, we registered, um, I believe it was a rule of 20, 25, maximum of 25 uh, players for the team. <clears throat> and uh, um, on on my list were were you know five players um, older than 24, 25, 26, um, and in total I believe eleven or, or twelve players under twenty or under twenty one. So when when we 
when when, I, when we faxed the the, the the team roster to the to the CPL office, it took two minutes, um, and and the commissioner were, were calling back and say, uh, if, if I'm joking, uh, because you know I cannot play the CPL with such a young young squad. Um, and they called me into to um, to the office. It was in the soccer center, I believe, in Woodbridge, where also the Ontario Soccer Association, where so they had it in the ground office. And they they were they were you know afraid that that a new franchise in in, in the CPSL will be killed uh, with such a young group of players, right? And I had to convince them that you know I'm, that I know what I'm doing there, and that I'm not um, you know. Um, um, that I that I know that these players I have, even when they are young, they are good enough to to compete in the league. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So in the end, they believed. <clears throat> I don't know if they believed, but they they said, okay, uh, you know, um, we we agreeing to it. And and then two two weeks before the the season started, we we played an exhibition game against against Toronto Lynx, what was the number one club. At this time in in, in Ontario, and um, yeah, and then we, we played the game, and on, on the, we had a lot of spectators in this stand. There was more than two thousand people coming to the game, and and also the whole board of directors from the CPSL was sitting on a in, in Brian Timmy Stadium on 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 stands and were watching the game, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, we, we we should won we should have won this game, but we tied them, I believe, one one or. So was it was the end uh, the result it was a great game and um, after after the game the commissioner came to me gave me a hug and said okay you're fine the team is good so <clears throat> in the, the weeks we played the first the first league game against uh, the, 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 the um, or was it I think one Sun Devils or whatever and we won the first league game five one and then everything everybody was fine but it was a was a I mean, we, we had it. We had we had at this time. We had we had two great goalkeepers, Dino Perry and Wojtek Zazicki. Wojtek just returned from Werder Bremen a year before, I believe, uh, came back to Canada. Um, like Dave said, we had the, we had Olin Shelmus, we had the both O'Connors uh, brothers, um, Marko Benenikovic, uh, Ricardo Marcus, Murat Zupro. Um, um, a young guy up front, Ian Burnett, Mark Wagner, who also played then in Europe, I believe. <clears throat> so it was um, it was a it was an unbelievable great group of of young players. And then what very important for the team is that we took uh, four four players from uh, Saint Christian's Romovals, the, the the champion the year before they became champions, and with with Dino Perry, with uh, Sal Borg, with Danny Gallagher and Jerry Cipriano, we, you know, I had I had four guys on the on the team, really professional minds, uh, good personalities, and and they lead the team through 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 the games, and, and that was very important as well. So how was how would you explain your experience there, Dave, as well? Oh, geez, <laughs> I was overwhelmed. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think I watched the first game. I didn't come at the beginning when he was starting up. Uh, I came a couple games in. And, uh, you know, it's very eerie, you know, when you see your first European coach in Canada and now you see him in this environment. I wasn't expecting, like, Canada would have, um, you know, this level of professionalism. I was shocked, actually, in Hamilton. They had a great atmosphere. Before you even got to the game, you can hear the music. I was trying to figure out where all the people were going because I'd not used to seeing people at games in, in Canadian games, yeah. right? Um, yeah. You know, stands were basically full before the game even started. People were buying hot dogs, food, chatting up, um, you know, and I was just shocked. You know, the field looked great, the atmosphere, you know, they had everything. Both sides were full. Um, you know, they had they had shirts like that said Hamilton Thunder on them. Everybody was wearing the uniform. It was amazing. So to be a part of that, I just felt like, okay, first of all, number one, I was getting paid, which was very odd in Canada. I thought after Belgium, I would just have to, you know, I didn't know what to do. Um, 
So that that was interesting, and everybody on the team was pretty much getting paid, which was awkward, you know. So I was like, wow, this is an actual professional team in Canada, and it made me feel really, really good. My experience there was great, especially with Marco as the coach, because um, he was very hard, and and he, uh, he, you know, he pushed you to be better. Some coaches have the ability, you know, they they have ability to push you and keep your your um, uh, keep your attention and 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 keep. You know, you have to have a level. You have to have a level of pride as a as a footballer, and you've been there. You know, you know that sometimes they can uh, degrade you and make you worse. You know, and there's a level of pushing where the person yeah. wants to do better, and he was able to do that, and we had success. You know, and I and I had older guys around me with more experience that still had legs under them that can teach me, you know, how to, you know, where to be and why to be there and not overwork and be out of position. Mm-hmm. So. It was a great experience for me with Marco. After he left, was terrible, but uh, <laughs> when he was there, it was very, very good and very professional. It starts at the head, right? When you have a professional head, everything sure. else follows. So, for sure. So after that wonderful experience, Marco, where where does your journey go next from Canada? Oh, from Canada, um, I I mean, you know, my 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 um, is this. Job I couldn't bring to an end until um, the end of the season. It was just before I think four four games left. Mm-hmm. Uh, season I, I I I left the team, so it was a big disagreement with with the owner for some reasons. And um, yeah, I, I stayed actually for for another two two three months in in, in Canada, mm-hmm. and then I went back to Germany and um, become a manager of a of a. Uh, club uh, in, in Berlin here played in a, in fourth division for one year and um, yeah and we we uh, oh it wasn't a, sorry it was in a, in the yeah it was in, the, in the fourth division. and we moved up to the third division back in these days with these clubs one year later wow. before <clears throat> uh, you know then then I found it out that that it was, it was nice to be the experience but I I, I would uh, I'm the coach needs to be on on, on the sideline of, of the field and not behind the computer. So, um, I decided to go get back into coaching after one year, and um, I went then to oh my goodness um, to to uh, FC Schweinfurt No Fünf in Bavaria, Germany, and um, become there the youth youth uh, coordinator and was responsible for the under nineteen team playing in the under nineteen Bundesliga at that time. Wow. wow. That's amazing, and and from from Germany, right? And and looking because this was probably around two thousand three, around there, two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand three, somewhere around there. Am I wrong? All right, when you oh, went two, back to Germany, and two thousand three, I was in in, 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 in uh, the manager managing position. Two thousand four, I was in in, um, in Schweinfurt. Um, okay, yeah. so my question to you was. Now we get this slow influx of Canadian talent, right? So Hargrave is already there. Um, but now from afar, what what did you see? Because you were here at the grassroots level, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, in, in Canada when you came here in 2000, 2001. So as you now see Canadians start to inch their way into the, the Bundesliga market, um, you know, at that time and even onward, what what were you proud of the fact that... that you know, the Germans and uh, were 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 taking Canadian talents, or were you so invested in in Canadian talent that you just started to look for them wherever in the world? Like, what did you see, and and were you happy about what you saw in terms of development? I mean, when you when you look at at especially you, you name them Owen Owen Hartwigs, right? That was um, um, at this time probably the overwhelming young Canadian talent who got born and raised in Canada. By by coach, I, I I know pretty well. Uh, it was in, in, in Calgary with with Thomas Thomas Nindorf. and um, and yeah, and, and he made a big big impression, right? Um, and um, at this time, uh, when when also I think it was the same time when post post Terry played, and then also um, um, Julian Julian was playing in in Hannover '96, right, and stuff like that. So we had a couple of of Kevin McKenna and Energy Cottbus and stuff. So it was a lot of Canadian Canadian players playing in the Bundesliga at this time. Oh, actually, you need to 
honor, honor Tom Thomas Niendorf for that because I believe that, that he was really focusing on him uh, because he saw what, what, what brilliant talent he has. Um, and he, you know, raced him through the soccer academy in Calgary, then to Calgary Storms. I believe he played also in the A-League then, um, um, in young ages, some games. And when, when he thought he is ready to go, he, he brought him somehow, I don't know exactly the, 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 the way, he brought him to, to Bayern Munich and then for a tryout and stuff like that, right? And, um, and, and he made a big, big impression and obviously also a great career after that. So... Um, it was, you know, it was the right circumstances at the right time uh, with the right talent and um, that right, you know, creativity part he has in his game. What, yeah, what was seen by the people of Bayern Munich, and 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 then he 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 made his way. So it was, it was it was in my opinion. <clears throat> The, the starting sign of, hey, guys, look to Canada, look to the Canadian talent. There are a lot of all great uh, talent there. But um, in Europe, you know, it didn't hit really because of maybe because of he didn't play for Canada. He played for England in, in, in the end, right? And maybe the reason why the focus on, on Canada was on the Question for you on that with regards to Owen. So... Obviously, when he made it to England, it was a big deal here. The media blew it up. Um, here's a Canadian making the English squad. Now, the one thing I want to get your opinion on, so the Engl- I guess the English fans, they always criticized him. Yes, he's in the England squad, but he plays a very German style of football. Mm-hmm. So and they say that's from his days in Germany. Would you say that Owen changed his style when he came over to Germany, or was that the style he always portrayed, even from grassroots here in Canada? Your opinion? I mean, I mean that, that, is, um, that is a big question. Um, what, what, is, what, is, what is good or was good for him in his development, that he, that he had a lot of freedom uh, when he develops in, in Canada, right? So... He was um, he developed with a, with a you know on on a very creative playing way, not always logical, but he was very free in his way of playing the game. When you come then in an environment like in, in into, into Europe into a club like Bayern Munich, of course you have to change a bit because sure. you know it is the way of the the club who they are playing, and you and you need to adjust to their playing style. You need to fit in the team. So, yes, you're losing here and there a little bit of your creativity, but what he did was actually a perfect adjustment to the, to the team. When, when now the, the English, uh, um, uh, when, he, when he left to, to um, Manchester United, and you know, then they said, okay, he's, he's playing for England, but he's playing... A little bit the German style, of course, because he played for for a couple of years in, in Germany with Bayern Munich, right? And and that is a different way of playing the game than the English the English guys are playing the game, or the Italian guys playing the game, or the mm. French the game. So it is just normal that you are you know getting adjust to the to the to the playing German playing style when you play here for for a couple of sessions. So, Marco, what are your thoughts on uh, Alfonso Davies and uh, Jaden Nelson? What are your thoughts on their development and how they progressed being Canadians? I mean, Alfonso, Alfonso's uh, <laughs> pathway is a, is a dream, right? I mean, how you can do it better? You, 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 come, to, <clears throat> you come to Canada, you be more than 14 years old, you're leaving your mm-hmm. friend Edmonton, moving to... To Vancouver these days, uh, you get seen by your coach. Um, he is believing in you. He's putting you on the team. You're having one and a half big seasons for one and a half year, make a good impression, and then a club like Bayern Munich, Munich is, is is taking you to to Europe. I mean, how, how can it be better, right? So yeah. that's a perfect pathway. And in terms of of of, of Jay- Jaden, I mean, he's, he's he's one of, in my opinion, one of the most talented, uh, eighteen years old now. Canada has, and and probably North America has. So, um, I I'm wondering that not um, um, so many um, European clubs are knocking on their doors already. Toronto, see, and asking, 
um, because he had that same thing. He has had that that that, that playing style uh, of you know biggest big big creativity. He is fast like hell. I mean that is a big issue professional soccer anyways and um, creating goal chances um, scoring goals here and there um, of course you know he's uh, he just turned 18 so young um, and uh, not not stable but that that you can count to any other 17 18 years old who's playing in the Bundesliga also right they are not stable enough that's normal in that age groups but um, yeah and, and and what I said I mean when we just look at these two boys, Alfonso Davies and and uh, Aiden Nelson, um, shows that Canada developed great talent. When you think about Canadians, right, and you're looking at the World Cup coming up in 2026, so we're five years away, and you know, I think we discussed it at one point. You know, we were speaking about uh, the talent that we have right now and how promising it looks. We still have some spots that we need to fill. And one of the problems that I've seen in Canada, we seem to have solved it. I don't know how, but uh, we've had a problem with goal scoring, right? Mm -hmm. But it seems like if we've dealt with that a bit, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of the players uh, that we have are brand name players. They play somewhere, somewhere good. Um, But in the past, we've always had problems with gelling as a team. So we have good brand name players and they play well for their clubs. But then when they come to Canada and they play for Canada, we don't see the same results. If we were to take, um, you know, our players and where they play and then put it up against Panama and where they play on paper, we should obliterate them. But that's not the case. You know, with almost every country in the CONCACAF, it's never, I think Canadians, we expect that we win, but we're not definitely guaranteed that we're going to win a game for whatever reason. Um, So my question to you is, um, we have certain names, right? So, you know, we have Davies, you know, we have David, you know, we have Nelson, Osario, we have others, but then... Garfield, Cavallini. what, What do you think that we can do as Canadians in terms of developing talent in in like the defensive positions and, 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 and those kind of key positions where we're lacking in time for the World Cup? I mean, for the, what do you mean by, 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 the, by the, you know, single positions or in, in, in general? I don't understand really. So we don't have, we have good strikers right now. Mm-hmm. So if we were to put Davies on the, on the left and Nelson on the right and David in the middle and say Atiba hypothetically at 44 years old was playing in the World Cup, right? Like we have offensive players. But then mm-hmm. when we get down to the back, um, and and the defensive position, I'm not sure. Center if backs. Center backs. I'm not sure if we're that strong as well as in net. So you know, in as a coach, how would you strategize and how would you find talent? Like, what would be your way if you were the national team head coach or helping out in some way, shape, or form? How would <clears> we <throat> solve that issue? Because we've had conversations, and I said I want to see Davies play on the left side as an offensive threat. I don't know how much of a help he would be in the left back. And you have said, no, I'd rather play him in the left back. Can you give me the reason why? Like, you know, because I feel like we need help up top, but we, we need help in the back. So how do we solve that problem? I mean, for, first, yeah, I'm pretty sure that the people in charge are, are knowing how to do it. But, but when, I, when I, you know, when you ask me the question is, I mean, you have now, when we're looking at the, at, the, at, the, at the strategy for the World Cup 2026, we are talking about um, the age groups of whatever, now 15, 15, 16 years old till 24, 25, right? So mm-hmm. that are age groups who can play maybe also in 2026. <clears throat> I mean, in, in, in the moment, you know, the, the most important thing is that you, you can develop players on the highest possible level. Um, uh, and, and give these, you know, young talents on that positions the chances of play. So, in, in, you know, since, since the CPL steps in to, uh, two years ago, uh, there's an opportunity, right, to, to, mm-hmm. to develop players on that level inside Canada if they not can go to Europe. I won't be afraid of, of, of you know, to, that the players are playing in Europe and maybe deciding not to play for Canada because that is a you know a question of how to guide these guys and, and young players. Mm-hmm. But, but 
you need to you have you know 20 20 25 players in in that in that roster for the world cup uh, on and on every 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 position you need to fill in at least two you know two on that you know in that specific ages like we said uh, between 15 and, and, and 24 25 and then and then you know um I hope that was a question, um, um, you know, and then 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 you should be fine in, in five years from now, of uh, having um, a talent pool where you can you can you count on. Mm-hmm. So, Mark, I have a quick question back to the Hamilton uh, Thunder days. Mm-hmm. In regards to the CPSL and the CPL, mm-hmm. what can we hope for that the CPL does different to the CPSL now that you were involved as a head coach and you saw how the league was run? What was its biggest downside compared to the CPL of today? Uh, you can, you can. I, I don't think you can compare both both organizations with, uh, to each other. I mean, the CP, CPSL was a was a pretty much semi professional setup. Financial foundation was was not good. Um, the um, the professional uh, um, structure was not there. Um, the CPL, in 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 my opinion. Is one of the most important setups in, in Canadian history um, for for many many reasons. Um, first of all, you know when you when you look totally, especially from the European point of view on on, on Canada, is that the CPL is, is, is giving Canada the first time. Um, you know there was no no soccer identity in the past. It was just you know the three MLS clubs and and. They are part of the North or U.S. American Soccer League. Mm-hmm. The CPL is now an own professional Canadian league, and that is very, very important for for the for the Canadian soccer identity. First of all, secondly, these missing stairway uh, in the past for young talents into with the first step into professional soccer um the cpsl is very very important because there are rules and regulations with homegrown players give every canadian talent a chance to get into the professional market in their own country what is very very important as well so that was back in the days when you compare the cpl cpsl with the cpl it was not there right you know many many clubs of the cpsl back in the days were playing players senior players older players was not usually a league uh, where very very young players get into the market and got their first professional experience hence why they gave you a lot of trouble that is why they gave me a lot of trouble yeah but uh, you know it, it, it's, you know it can work this way or it worked this way you know we showed we showed that so the cpsl cpl now is a very 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 professional organization and uh, I'm. I, I have to pull my hat for how they, how they also brought this season in these difficult times with Corona to an end. And this year, you can believe me that uh, CP, CPSL couldn't play anymore, right? At back of the day, because the structure was not there, the professionalism was not there, the marketing was not there. So that is completely different. I, I, I honestly believe that um, the, the CPL today is a very, very important tool as well for the Canadian national teams, for the Canadian soccer system, and also for the player development. And that is different than 20 years ago. Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, it's just such a privilege, you know, for the young guys coming up to know that there's clubs in their country, within their country, Mm -hmm. that they can go to. You know, a lot of the guys that were born in this country had to leave um, at an early age and they ended up playing different places and had to go through, um, you know, a lot of hard times, you know, and uh, and learning a different language is not easy while going to school and all the different things that, you know, you had to go through back in the day. And here you are, you can possibly stay home, you know, um, you know, while earning an income and, and gaining a professional perspective of football. Um, you know, you don't have to go through many of the things that you, you got to go through when you're a foreigner, um, you know, and, and I think a lot of the players that, that want to go away, uh, sometimes they forget being a foreigner on the team doesn't mean that people treat you um, nicely or that you're special. Uh, you're fighting for uh, one of three or one of five positions. Back in my day, um, there was five foreigners in the club. So, you know, 
good luck with that. You know, it was very difficult, um, you know, and, and, and so when you're here and the majority of the talent is Canadian, you have a better, better shot of being seen and gaining experience and being on the field. And so we flip the tables, you know, on them, you know, and, and, and it's such a, a blessing and it's a great gift that we got, um, you know, uh, you know, to have a Canadian professional league. You know, and and I hope that people take the time, and I hope the ownership as well as the structure understand how pivotal it is. You know yeah. that that we we as much as possible keep the ones that we can keep here, but the ones that deserve it need to go. It needs to be uh, a place where people can be seen. You know, and and I'm not saying just dump the young guys out there and and let's watch 15 year olds run around and play tag, yeah. but um, but you know if they're good enough like a Davies and others that we should put them out there and make sure that they're seen. You know, it, it, it the five years that we have now, we may we we may never have an opportunity like this again. This is the first time where the whole world will see Canada play. Yeah, they they are forced to see us play. We are the home country of the world cup uh that I mean, we do not have to qualify for so you will you, know. you will will see i mean i we had that event in 2006 in germany right and yeah that's incredible you you cannot imagine what it what it means to to all soccer and to the people when when whatever 50 different countries people from 50 coming to visit canada and coming to the games and mm-hmm. this huge event and a big you know you know freedom and everything is about soccer and stuff like that is such a huge impact and um, a chance for me when I was thinking or I think for for the players um, you know to play for your own country for your home country on your on your home place in, in a World Cup come on that that is an aim right that is an aim yeah. for for in 16, 17, whatever years old, to be a part of this, and and that is huge. And um, uh, Canada has has uh, all the uh, you know opportunities and possibilities. That's that's why I'm, I don't understand a little bit when I when I the last six seven months I talked to a lot of coaches in Canada and parents and players and officials and stuff and many many of of these people having opinion that you know Canadians not working. I'm sorry, but I, I have a completely different opinion. And I think that Canada is, has probably one of the best structures possible, especially for young players. And um, I'm, I'm not agree with many, but with the opinion of many, many Canadians at this point. I was just thinking that, um, you know, when you have a World Cup, there are many people that come, you know, obviously, and there's a social life uh, involved in it. And I know that... Um, the population grows <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. because, pe- because people meet one another. And so we're going to be cre- creating a lot of Brazilian Canadian babies. And uh, <laughs> so we'll be able to pick and choose from all over Europe eventually. So, you know, that also helps. But uh, I don't know if that's going to make the cut. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Out of all the players that you've coached, because they're going to be listening to this podcast, right? Out of all the players that you've coached, which one to you was a special talent that you just really, really enjoyed working with as well as, you know, just had an ability that you thought was very unique? Oh, that is not fair, Dave. Yep. <laughs> I, I, cannot, I cannot bring it up to one name because there, there, there are more players um, and and who needs to be on <laughs> that day. Um, okay, uh, I'll give you I'll give you a three or five, but make it okay. quick. I know Tiba's in there because you're trying to help him out to go to Germany, so just yes. name, name the ones that really stick out to you that you saw from a young age. You're just like, wow, what the heck is this? Atiba is obviously one of them. No question about this. Um, you know, you are also one of them. Right? Get out of <laughs> here! You are you st- no way, <laughs> no way. Um, uh, but but we 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 had the we had the chance to to work in, on on diff- different ways together with 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 the PSA in Hamilton, and then when you played for me in Hungary with 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 Gear also, right? So mm-hmm. there was a reason why I picked you, right? 
though um, of course you also. Um, okay. Third one I would say is is um, Ryan Thompson, who also played for me in 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 um, in, in Hamilton, and uh, later on also with tennis Borussia Berlin here in, in, in my city, when I took him from. Oh, we took him from uh, Rotweiss Essen, and he just moved on from Spa, uh, from um, Dynamo Zagreb, I believe, uh, to Rotweiss Essen and from Rotweiss Essen club. So that was also a player with special abilities, and and, and very very high skilled and the right mentality. So we have three now, right? Mm-hmm. I need to name two more. No, you don't have to. That's fine. I know you're missing one. Um, the, the Guzman. Jonathan de Guzman, yeah, because that, that, I mean, that was, that was crazy, you know, when we were back, back in the days in the PSA time, and we were training with that older guys, with you guys, with 16, 17, 18 years old, and he was 12, I believe, I believe at this time, and I, I must tell a story, right, he was just, you know, he made some drills, some, some physical drills with a ball and, and, and scrimmage games, three on three, four on four, whatever, and he was just too small on to, to play with the with the other guys. It was because it was very physical. So he just took a ball, and um, you know juggled uh, the ball around the field, one round and two rounds, <laughs> and the, with the head, with with the, with the shoulders, with the you know with the feet, with the heels, and the ball didn't drop. <laughs> one round, one round, one round after another, and um, he was so enjoying playing with a ball and having and hugging the ball and, and you know and, and be a part of this with 12 years uh, that was amazing and uh, it was for me it was pretty clear at this time that that he will have a great career doesn't matter where but uh, he was 12 so it was it was great yeah that's very true. nice so marco what's your uh, role in football now what do you hope to achieve going into the future you know what? Um, like I said, I'm 50, 54 years old now, um, and my goals—I um, mean, I'm too experienced to 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 put specific goals on right now. In the, uh, anyways, during that Corona um, times, yeah, um, it is it is not easy at all, right? So um, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a soccer coach, right? So I'm 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 looking for for you know being part of the. Of the industry and of the of the of the you know of the game, of course, and I love to develop players. That's what I, what I did my whole life. Not, nothing nothing more is more satisfying than seeing how a player is you know improving, is doing better and better, and is making in the end hopefully a career. That's great, right? It is uh, soccer. Soccer is my life, no question. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna end on a light lighthearted question, Marco. So you've been in the game in the soccer game, in the soccer world for for many many years. You've seen a lot of football in your life, and uh, one of our one of our customs, uh, obviously, Juliano and I is when we when we get to know somebody, we got to know because you've been in soccer for so long. Who is your which club are you loyal to? Who's who are you? What club are you a big fan of? Uh oh, dying to know. <laughs> Could be anywhere in the world. Who's the team you follow? I, I, I must I must tell you a secret now, right? When when you are <laughs> like me, you you stop cheering for one club because you 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 identifying with 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 when when I would cheer for whatever Hertha Berlin, that is a club where I got raised uh, yeah. as a um, and I'm I would coach now for a different club that that it doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because when I coach a club. I need to identify with my club very, very strongly to be successful. So, yeah, as a fan, of course, I'm I'm loving Hertha Berlin um, because that's my home 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 club. And for the German soccer, I I obviously cheer also for Bayern Munich because they are important German for German soccer on the international way, right? Sure. So, yeah, these are two. And you, if you want, these are two my two favorites in Germany. Okay. Well, being a Hertha Berlin fan, you must be really happy that Sammy's back, that you guys got Sammy Kadira back in Germany then. Uh-oh. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, let, 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 let's see. I mean, you know, when, when you follow Hertha Berlin, you, you can see that, that 
you know, we, had, we are struggling a lot um, in, in, in the um, and we are missing probably a, a leader in the team. Mm-hmm. So I hope I hope he can fill these spots, right? Well, he's um, a young guy, you know. He has a <laughs> bright future ahead of him, so <laughs> should do well. To be honest, you know, it's not not my point to 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 judge here about people who who are doing their job. Um, mm-hmm. Sure, they they know what they're doing, and I hope it is working. Let's say it this way. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Me too. Well, that wraps up our podcast, getting to know you, Marco. Thank you so much for, for doing this with us. We really do appreciate it. Uh, we look forward to having you on for many more podcasts down the road, um, getting your opinion on uh, on a lot of things because you have a wealth of knowledge and we're hoping to tap more into it. Thank you very much for, for this invitation and to be a part of this. Um, don't give me too much too much credit. You know, I know there, there are many, many, many coaches and people out there knowing much, much more about soccer than me, but uh, I'm happy to be a part of this. Looking forward to, to, the, to the next one.